This is a kick in the grass with Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Another edition of a kick in the grass, and it is a Premier League preview edition of the show. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair here with you. Follow along on Twitter at Dan Riccio underscore and at SN Jeff Blair. You can DM questions for the show each week there. We'll answer them in injury time before the show is out. Also on Instagram at Dan Riccio. Our illustrious producer on the show is Cam Barra. We have new episodes every Monday. Subscribe so that you never miss a show and leave a review. We do appreciate it. And finally, you can sign up for our Fantasy Premier League uh, to compete against us, mostly against Blair, who's the Premier League aficionado around here. Highest score of the week. Gets a shout out on the show. Head to PremierLeague.com and sign up for our league using the code PPIBD6. Blair, are you hyped for the Premier League season or what? I I am indeed. I've already made my uh, my first major trade in the Sportsnet <laughs> 590, 590 The Fan Fantasy League. De Bruyne, Jesus, and Doherty off to the defending champions team, Andrew Holland, for Rashford and uh, Timo Werner and uh, Romain Seiss just to, to round it out. Just because I need – I every year I like to have at least one player in the team – that I like. And this year I had the grave misfortune of getting the first pick overall. So I had to go with the Bruyne because there's 10 in the 10 people in the pool. And I just, I was not happy. My first two picks were man city guys. And I thought this cannot stand. So, uh, there you go. I'll probably regret it, but, um, at least, at least I have players that I like. Hey, it's uh, (laughs) uh, a stupid way, (laughs) the stupidest way to do fantasy. This is the stupidest way to do it. It's it's a guaranteed way to lose, but I'll tell you this: you made a better trade than uh, Barcelona did with uh, Pjanic for Arthur. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> and that was a real life one, so uh, we'll see how that works out for them. Uh, uh, all right, so get in our uh, on our Premier League uh, league, and you can compete against us throughout the course of the season. All right, so here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna talk to Liam Toomey. He's uh, covering Chelsea for the Athletic. They've had the biggest off season. We'll talk to him in the second segment of the show. Injury time, your questions coming at the end. But right now, we're going to go through all Premier League teams, all 20, as quickly as we possibly can, starting in alphabetical order with Arsenal. All right. So, Willian, Gabriel, they've made some really interesting moves already. But the biggest move was Mikel Arteta last year, Jeff. And he's already got a trophy under his belt. Also got the Community Shields. What do we think about Arsenal this year? I mean, I, I said last year that I was all in on Mikel Arteta and um, and all in on, on his plan for Arsenal. It, it's strange, you know, because I look at Liverpool, I look at Man City, I look at Chelsea, I look at Manchester United. Well, let's let's leave aside Liverpool for a minute because I think their sort of modus operandi right now makes sense. But I, I look at Man City, I don't really know what they're doing. Uh, I look at Man United, I kind of know what they're doing, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really skeptical about their, you know, their inability to address their defensive issues, which I still think are the core of this team. And Chelsea is going to be a major chemistry experiment. To me, Arsenal is the one club that seems to have a pretty clear-cut plan. You know, they, they, they're going to bring young guys through. They've made some strategic acquisitions. 
they've got to settle on, on Aubameyang. They have to figure out what they're going to do there. And I mean, I think we all expect him to, to resign. I really like what they have going on. I like the mixture of young players. I love Nketiah. I like Saka. I just think there's, there's, a, there's a real sense of plan to Arsenal that I haven't seen in a long time. And I'm, I'm, I'm all in on them. And I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if they uh, if they get a top four spot this year. I just have a real good feeling about them. I think Arteta showed, and, and you can see it in some of the results towards the end of the year, that he's got a real uh, tactical uh, eye to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I'm, I'm going to give out my first bold prediction already. He's going to win – the uh, he's going to win the Golden Boot by a landslide this year. I think you you see some of the goals that he's already scored. The Community Shield FA Cup final, cutting in off the left, right at the top edge of the box, and hitting the curler to the far post. Uh, he's going to do that all year long, and mm-hmm. they've found a way that it can work, and they're going to work that into all of their matches. And at some point, Obama Yang is just that good of a player that it's going to hurt you. And so I like that they've really focused in on their strengths. And I expect improvement from Arsenal, who finished eighth in the table last year. Uh, but a lot coming for them. I don't have a lot yeah, of time. I also, yeah, I'm just going to jump in here, too. I think the other thing to me that gives me a lot of faith in Arsenal is I think that they have very quietly settled their keeper situation. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something I don't think you can say necessarily about Chelsea. And as much as David De Gea look, has looked really good for Spain, surprisingly good during the international break, and I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he feels, you know, finally he's under pressure at the club level, and maybe that's going to transfer. But I just have a lot more confidence in in, in what Arsenal's got going on there than I do with Chelsea or Manchester United. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all in on Arsenal. I really am. Well, Gabriel uh, as well, you know, is, is, is big because you're looking at all the other top teams still looking for their center back to, to help out their back line, mm-hmm. and none of them have it. Um, Chelsea settled for Thiago Silva. Uh, that's, that's not going to work out uh, as well as I think a lot of people hope. Um, while Manchester United and um, certainly Manchester City still looking to bolster in those areas of the squad. All right, Aston Villa. Uh, they hadn't made any moves until this weekend, but in comes 28 million pound move for Brentford striker Ollie Watkins, which is about to go uh, past the finish line. Also, they sp- splashed the cash on Matty Cash, uh, who looks to be a good signing as well, finding some real standout performers from the championship to add to their squad. They were 17th last year, staved off a lim- uh, relegation on the final day of the season. The question is, do they have enough goals in the team? And they're, they're banking on uh, Ollie Watkins to be their answer uh, for the goals this year, Jeff. Yeah, I don't know if he's enough, but I, I have them avoiding relegation. I have them staying up. I, I just think that Jack Grealish gives them, gives them a chance, not every match, but he gives them a chance against anybody mid-table down. And I like the fact that, that they, they, the way they pulled together last year coming out of the pandemic, um, I, I think they stay up. I, I don't expect much more out of them than that. But I would think if, if Villa can, can stay up after what happened last year, maybe climb up a place or two in the standings, they would consider it a success. And I think they're pretty well positioned. The, the, the thing with Villa, I, I, I like the fact, if I was a Villa fan, I would like the fact that they retained Grealish during this weirdest of transfer markets. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's that's whether or not it was done by something they were planning or whether it was that Manchester United's, you know, that their their focus was elsewhere. I think they are going to really profit from the fact that they retained him. Because I'll tell you, I think Jack Grealish's value only goes up this year. And if he can if he can somehow squeeze some some good international performances in as well, then as I said, I think Villa at the end of the at the end of the season is going to be very pleased with with what they get for him. Brighton, a couple of big signings for them. Adam Lalana on a free from Liverpool and Joel Veltman, the uh, Dutch international coming over from Ajax. But this team, uh, you know, I've liked what what Graham Potter did to them last year, really giving them uh, a little bit more flair to their side. You saw it. They kept a lot more possession. And I think the big key for them was keeping Lewis Dunk. Um, And we'll see if they can build on it. But they're one of the fun teams to watch in the lower half of the table, Jeff. Yeah, and they didn't have an easy – they didn't necessarily have an easy schedule coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic break. So – I, I'm with you. They're they're very easy on the eye. I think Graham Potter is a terrific manager. He's a perfect guy for a club that size. You know, I I I wonder I wonder if you're not seeing in Brighton maybe you know the 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 early signs of some of the things we saw with with, with Bournemouth. But um, it's it's only been a season. I would have liked to have seen maybe a little more turnover in the side but I'm I'm okay with with where they are and and I don't see them going down and they've got you know they've got a young defender that a lot of people have been eyeing uh, mm-hmm. a, a guy named Ben White and I know that Leeds was all over him and Leeds really wanted to get that deal across the line that hasn't happened so far and he's certainly one to keep an eye on uh, down the road because he's young he's really highly thought of and as I said I think at some point, he may be a guy that they're able to turn into into something significant. Well, and, and he was huge for Leeds in the championship last year on loan and now uh, looking to take that uh, to Brighton with his parent club this year. Burnley, 10th last season. Um, but the interesting part, and, and the marriage with Sean Dyche, it's been eight years. He's done terrifically well at Turf Moor. But he's already been making complaints about the budget and how many players were released I, I I think this is going to be a tough year operating on a tight budget with a shallow squad. Um, as much as you know, they've dug in and found ways for so long. Uh, I have question marks about Burnley this year, Jeff. Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, I don't think they'll be relegated because I think Sean Dyche is is too good a manager, and I think there's still enough there. And I think Nick Pope is going to give them a chance in 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 a lot of matches. But you re- look, you really wonder if you're Sean Deitch, uh, what's in it for you? You know, mm-hmm. I, I at some point, at some point, you have to be looking elsewhere. I think you're going to see this is going to be one of those situations where they stay up this year. Uh, you know, it's kind of the same old Burnley, kind of steady as she goes. And I think at that point, at the end of the year, you see Sean Deitch moving on, and and that's when I think if you're Burnley, you start wondering about about where we're going. But right now, I think they'll be fine. He's just, as I said, he's just too good a manager. And, you know, I think in Nick Pope, they have, uh, I, I think, I think the, 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 the premier English keeper in the premiership. 
Chelsea, they've had the biggest offseason of uh, maybe any team in Europe's top five leagues. Timo Werner, Hakim Zayek, Ben Chilwell, Kai Havertz, Malang Sar, yeah. and Thiago Silva coming in on free. Uh, but those four players that I mentioned off the top, 223 million euros. And with that, Jeff, comes expectations. How will Frank Lampard deal with those expectations? I mean, I think they'll be fine. Um, I certainly like them more than I like Manchester United. I like them more than I like Tottenham. Uh, I, I can see them being a top four team. Uh, you know, I think Arsenal and Man and, and Manchester United are going to be fighting it out for that that fi- that fourth spot. But uh, I, I really like Chelsea. I really like Chelsea to go ahead. You know, I, I think there's always a concern with bringing in new players, especially given the fact that you have had such a short window to get everybody bedded in here and once the season starts the games are going to come fast and furious so i don't know how much tactical i i don't know how much tactical work any any manager is going to be able to to do this year because of the the way the schedule set up so having said that i will always err on the side of having a lot of talent and being able to put more talent out on the on the pitch than the other guy and more often than not this year, Chelsea's going to have more talent, uh, more talent out there. Um, you know, I think Timo Werner is a is a terrific, he's a terrific acquisition for the Premier League. Kai Havertz, I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, a, 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 a settling in process for him, maybe longer than Chelsea even thinks. But I, I think they've done good business. Keeper scares me a bit. You know, Kepa is a bit of a, a concern defensively. They still have some issues, but I think that they'll be good enough to uh, to finish in the top four. I, I do wonder, Lampard, one of the things um, he really struggled with, set pieces last year. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing a manager, uh, you, you, you put that on the manager uh, more often than not. How does he deal with that this year? And there haven't been the, the defensive reinforcements that you may have expected. They've got Liverpool on the second match day of the season. That's going to be an interesting test very early on to see how much, if at all, uh, they have closed the gap. Uh, Crystal Palace, just 31 goals last year for Crystal Palace, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, they have Eberiche Ezi as their big signing alongside uh, Michi Bachuayi, who they've just taken on loan this morning uh, from Chelsea. But will Roy Hodgson find enough goals in this squad to stay up? Because I think their 14th position from last season was a little bit deceiving. Yeah, I, yeah, I, again, I think they'll... Dan, I don't know how you feel about them. I, <clears throat> I think they'll stay up. I, to me, to me, they they are what they are. Um, they're not going to go any higher. They're not going to go any lower. I don't think they're going to score enough uh, to you know to to improve where they are. I'm, I'm I'm frankly, I'm I'm surprised that they haven't necessarily moved on from Roy Hodgson. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they're not going to. I don't think they're going to be bad enough to be relegated. I don't think they're going to be good enough to. To, to do much more than they did than they did last year, and and um, I, I don't know what's happened to Wilfred Zaha. I I really don't. Now he obviously had issues with Manchester United. We know all about that. But this is a guy that a couple of years ago teams were queuing up for, and now you know you don't hear the usual suspects linked with him anymore. And that would that would give me a lot of concern if I was Crystal Palace. I mean, there's just not there's not a there's not a lot to like about that team, but. 
I don't think they're bad enough yet to go down. The first of the three new boys, Fulham is back up in the Premier League, uh, fresh off uh, just one season in the championship. Um, but uh, they're not spending as freely as they did in their last trip back up to the top flight, Jeff. And I think that might actually be more sensible than the hundred million quid they spent a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a good story. They've settled in Scott Parker. He was a guy who was under a lot of pressure. Uh, I loved him. I loved Scott Parker as a player, good Charlton boy. Uh, but you know, look, they, they did a nice job down the stretch in the championship. He got them over the line. And and I think you're right. I, I, I think it's going to be very hard for them not to be relegated, but I really do see this team as being a, a, a team that if they are relegated will automatically be the favorites to come back again next season. And I, I don't know if they're, you know, they're destined to be a yo-yo team or anything like that. But I can see them going down and coming coming right back. You know, look, they still have Mitrovic. He can score in the premiership. Uh, you know, they, they've got a kid, Harrison Reed, that, that Southampton was really high on at one point. They, they, to me, they are, they are the prototypical championship team that comes up to the Premier League, starts decently. I, I can see this team starting out pretty decently. I don't think they're going to be an easy mark for anybody, but they're just not deep enough. And again, the matches are going to come fast and furious. And at that point, I think they're going to start wearing down. But if I could pick a team, if I could pick one of the three promoted teams and say, I would not want to play this team in the first week, the second week or the third week, it would be Fulham. Yeah, they've uh, a lot more sensible. Spending does correlate to better success in the division. But you, can't, you just can't do it all at once. You, you've got to do it over a, a, over a period of time because continuity is a real thing. And I think you see a lot of um, newly promoted sides do stuff like that, and it generally does not work out. And, hey, che- uh, Sheffield United provided a great blueprint mm-hmm. uh, last year on how to do that. Uh, Leeds United, their first match back in the Premier League will be against Liverpool on Saturday. Uh, They're first in 16 years. And uh, my favorite stat of the opening weekend, Jeff, if if James Milner plays on Saturday, he will have played in each of Leeds' last 31 Premier League matches across a 16-year time frame. Uh, Yeah. Look, is there... I, I, there seems to be this big debate right now in England about whether or not Leeds is everybody's second favorite team. I, I would suggest they're probably not everybody's second favorite team. Uh, they're probably not the team you'll you will you will necessarily cheer for when you're when your club isn't playing. But they are going to be fun to watch. We know that they are going to be a well managed, a well coached outfit. I think Leeds is about to start a long, 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 long uninterrupted run back in the Premiership. And I don't know where they'll, they'll finish this year necessarily. I don't think they're going to – I would, wouldn't see them finishing as high as Sheffield United, for example, because I just – I don't think they're there yet. But uh, they're not going back to the Championship anytime soon. And uh, – you know, I, that, that's I'm not a Leeds fan, but you, we had a we had a conversation in one of our very very early shows where we were talking about clubs that we just kind of viewed as being uh, Premier League clubs, even if they weren't in the Premiership. And I and and Leeds was one of them that we both agreed on. 
Yeah, and it's it's good to see them back. Marcelo Bielsa does provide a bit of a wild card as as far as the manager is concerned. You never really quite know with him, but uh, they're they're interesting, man. Uh, Rodrigo is going to be fine uh, mm-hmm. as their big signing. Uh, I like him coming from Valencia. Don't look at the the stats from last year. Valencia was just an absolute gong show with how things played out uh, at the Mestalla this past year. Um, and also, if they can, they've been linked heavily to Rodrigo de Paul from Udinese, which I think would just be an unbelievable signing uh, if they can pull that off. And also, my player to watch is uh, the Yorkshire Pirlo, Calvin Phillips, uh, which uh, everybody loves a good deep-lying midfielder. And that's... There was, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Danny, there was also another sort of an under-the-radar acquisition they made that I think was really smart. And this kind of gets... It, it, it's it, it's kind of the, the type of move that Sheffield United would make, but getting Robin Cock in uh, mm. was a really nice bit of business. You're talking about a 24-year-old <clears throat> defender with some experience in the German national team. Uh, he's a physical player. He is going to have absolutely no problem adjusting to the premiership. That, to me, is how you... That is how you run a, a team smartly once you're promoted from the championship. Make strong acquisitions of players who are still young enough that they can grow with the group. Leicester City. They've brought in Timothy Castagne from Atalanta, and Ben Chilwell is out to Chelsea as their uh, big loss of the season. Brendan Rodgers saw his team slip down the table after it looked like an assured top-four position coming back for the restarts. I, I think there's a lot of good young talent on this Leicester side. They were probably punching above their weight in the top three last year, um, but they're a team that's going to be fighting in those European places once again. To me, it's going to come down to one player. James Madison has to stay healthy. If he's healthy and can contribute, I think they will be contending for European spots. At, at some point, though, Danny, I, I don't know how you feel, but at some point I just think the Magic's got to wear off Jamie Vardy. Mm-hmm. At, at, at some point, it, it does. You know, for him to have another season like he had last year would almost be historic. I don't see it happening, but I really do think it very simply comes down to James Madison. Because to me, other than other than Jamie Vardy, he is the most important person on that team. And if he's healthy, they'll be in it. If he isn't, they are. You know, they're 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 gonna they won't obviously fall into the relegation relegation zone, but they'll be scrapping for Europa League places. And I do mean scrapping for Europa League place. Jamie Vardy now 33 years old and they don't really like Ihi Anacho. I think he's a fine player. I don't think he's a star striker by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, Vardy coming off another fantastic year. We'll see how much longer he can keep that up. Liverpool champions, 30 years in the making, Jeff, but this will be a second consecutive summer window where Liverpool stand on the sidelines while the others look to improve. How do we feel about <sighs> Liverpool? I, in, in terms of the talent they have, I think they're no worse than the second best team uh, in the Premier League. I, I think Manchester City is, is maybe better than them in terms of talent. But I really wonder if... Liverpool has kind of missed missed the boat a little bit here in that I really do think you need 
to have some sort of creative turnover when you have a championship team. I've always talked about the Yankees. The Yankees were masters at that. Even the Montreal Canadiens, if you want to you know, borrow from hockey, just a little bit of turnover. Bring in somebody, bring in a player who's hungry for a title, bring in a, a middle-aged or a mid-career or slightly older in his career player who's hungry for a title or who can round things out a little bit, who can fit in with your group. I needed to see them make some sort of acquisition like that. If they can get Thiago Alcantara, uh, I would be, I'd feel better about them. But I just, I wonder if there's not a little bit of, of, of staleness creeping in there, you know, and I didn't like, I got to tell you, I didn't like the way they came out of the pandemic. I, I, the pandemic break, I know they won, but I really got the sense that that was a team that at, at points was bored and, and really needed refreshing. And it was, uh, it was even showing in the results before the, the pause, Jeff, um, where you, you saw them lost, lose to Atletico Madrid, uh, in the champions league. And they were slipping in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, there's still an incredible amount of talent. I agree with you there, but question marks, uh, if you're not going to improve um, over two summer windows now, um, that's that's a lot to just be counting on the same squad each year, especially when they've accomplished so much in a Champions League title and now a Premier League title. Uh, Steven on Twitter sent this to you, at SN Jeff Blair. Liverpool fan, don't know why they haven't improved the squad. Money isn't an issue. All the teams around us are getting stronger with decent signings. We won the league and should not have to wait another 30 years to win again. Also need to shed some of the mediocre backup players. And, uh, you know, I, I don't disagree too much with, with Steven here. Um, look, Klopp's done everything with this team. Uh, they, they have such an incredible talent base, but I think especially in those front three positions, there's not as much depth as you would like given how much those players have played over the last couple of seasons, I'd like something there, Jeff. You know, they're all 28 years old, so they're not, like, really aged. But Salah, 100 appearances last two seasons. Firmino, same thing. Mane, 97 appearances. Kevin De Bruyne has 80 appearances in that time. Paul Pogba has 69 appearances in that same time frame. So you wonder if fatigue will be a factor, especially with a bit more of a crunched schedule. And I, I think this is a miss. You know, we've seen them just basically say we don't have the money to make any signings just after winning the Champions League and, and the Premier League. It's, it's not going to sit over well with fans if, if Liverpool fall off the pace this year. No, but they still have – look, I think they have the best keeper in the, in, 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 the, in the Premiership. They've got the best back line in the Premiership, I think, and, and of course – Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robertson are tremendous. And and the one thing I think maybe Jurgen Klopp is kind of hanging his hat on here, they've been helped a lot by the fact that the Africa Cup of Nations is postponed. So that that is, I, 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 I've got to think that probably factored into their, probably factored into their, in, into their thinking here to a certain degree as well. But yeah, I, I expected to see a little more I expected to see a little more turnover um, and, and it'll be good enough for this year. I, I think, again, I think they'll contend with Man City for top spot. 
but Chelsea and Arsenal aren't wasting any time and, and Manchester United they're I think they're taking the right steps forward it, it, if I'm Liverpool I'm yeah I better win again this year let's just put it that way I better win again this year uh let's go to their biggest contender Manchester City Pep Guardiola's final year at the Etihad I can't imagine he's going to go out quietly Jeff it's weird, you know, someone made this point in one of the podcasts that I hadn't really thought about, it, but this is kind of the first time Pep has hung around to do a, you know, what do you want, a, 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 a 2.0, right? It's the first time he's, he's hung around to do, a, to, to begin a reworking of Man City. If, if they, I understand there are a lot of ifs here, I still think they need an, a, another back. I think they need another center back. Uh, if Amrick Laporte stays healthy, and again, that's a big if, I just think they are, I think they're the best team in the Premier League. Yeah, they've got flaws. They're certainly not a young team, but I look at their, their talent level. And, uh, as I said, I think they are, they are, they are well positioned to, to knock Liverpool off their perch. I, my gut tells me, Danny, that they probably will. This season, I would pick them to finish ahead of Liverpool. Um, but uh, yeah, again, much like Liverpool, you yeah. got to do it this year, right? This is the, the window of opportunity for both these teams is 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 closing very quickly, I think. I like the signing of Nathan Ake, um, who's a, a good defender and he's just 25, should be entering mm-hmm. his prime years. Uh, Ferran Torres was... Uh, sold for a criminally low price for the talent that he is adding adding to their their depth of talent up front and Kevin De Bruyne is still the best player in the league Jeff um, for my yeah. money um, so 18 points can they make that up why not I mean they had 100 points not that long ago 98 the season before um, this is the one team that can get there with Liverpool and there's no way it's as easy of a run as it was for Liverpool as it was uh, a season ago. And I think for, for Pep, you know, his legacy with this club is, is, is kind of this because he hasn't had the champions league success. So you put three titles in a span of four seasons, um, having the, the record side that he did getting that hundred points. Um, that will be Pep's legacy. If this is in fact, his final year at Manchester city, uh, over to your boys, Manchester United, Donny van de Beek is the big signing so far. I, w- I do want to tell everybody, like, stop thinking about Jaden Sancho. It's not happening. Um, so, it, yes, as, thankfully. It, it's just, it's all clicks. It's all uh, trying to sell papers, all those things that we see in the general transfer window. Sancho is not happening in this window. But does Manchester United have enough uh, to, to push further up the table after what was a, a very strong second half under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? I don't think so. I like the pickup of Van de Beek. I would like them to make another pickup, uh, another defensive pickup. Uh, I would really like to see Diet up. I'm going to butcher this name. Open the canal uh, <laughs> yeah. from Leipzig. That to me, if, if they could get him in, that would be the perfect transfer season for Manchester United. I really don't care about Jaden Sancho. Uh, he's a terrific player. Uh, he would make them better, but I think that there are other issues with this team. And, and I'm intrigued to see how Ole uses all his midfielders. I wonder if maybe this isn't going to be a little bit above him 
in terms of his tactical his tactical nous. I I I have some concerns about that, but uh, I think we'll score enough goals. I think Anthony Martial has finally figured out what he has to do to stay on the pitch, and my only concern again is defensively. Uh, I'm glad Dean Henderson is there because I really do think David De Gea needs to be needs to be pressed a bit. I can see them look. I, I think I think there's a huge gap between Liverpool, Man City, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. I still like Chelsea more than I like Manchester United. I kind of I hate to say it, but I I feel a little more comfortable about where Arsenal is than when Manchester United as well is now. But I think they'll be in in that fight. And could they get fourth? Yes. Third? Maybe. But they're they're they are at least an impact an at least one impact player away, Danny, from from being able to even pretend that they can run with Liverpool or Man City. They're closer to falling out of the top four than they are catching the top two. And I don't I don't that's think that's a better a- way to put it. That's a great yeah. way to put it. Uh they, they I, I don't know if that's a bold statement either, but um uh, the the two questions I have, can Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood reach uh, the same form that they did towards the end of last season? And the other thing, you're going to have to expect some level of regression on penalty kicks. Uh, they scored 10 in the division last year. That was by far the most, I think by three, uh, more than any other club. And they only had three against as well, which was near the bottom of the table uh, at both ends. So it... There's some regression there. Can they make that up in other areas? I do like the signing of Donny Van de Beek, but still have major question marks on defense, especially with Harry Maguire's situation as well. Uh, Newcastle United. Uh, they've brought in Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser as their two big signings, so they're trying to recreate Bournemouth, which may not be a great idea, but I do actually like Callum Wilson quite a bit. 13th last year, probably better on the eyes than what uh, they actually were. They're going to need goals, Jeff, and that relies a lot on Alain Saint-Maxime. Uh, can they do it again? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued by Newcastle. I, oddly enough, other than the fact that they're, you know, they they went through an ownership crisis, uh, crisis in, in the transfer market. Mm-hmm. I like the pickups. I like what they've done. I, I, I like the guys they've retained. I. I'm oddly optimistic about them. Now, when I say optimistic, optimistic enough that I can see them challenging for, for Europa League. I don't know about that, but I do think they'll progress this year. I think they'll be better this year. And if they can get their ownership situation straightened around, which I know has been something that's been talked about for years and years and years, but uh, who, if, if that's straightened around, Danny, whoever takes over this club, is going to take over a club that is in a much better position than they were three or four years ago. Like I'm, I don't know, I I don't know what it is about what they did necessarily in the off season that in, or in the transfer market that intrigues me so much. But it just seemed to be smart. It seemed to be a very un Newcastle United thing, right? Callum Wilson makes sense. Ryan Fraser yeah. makes sense. They did stuff that made sense for the first time in a long time. Well, I think Wilson is is one of the more underappreciated finishers in the division over the last number of years. Um, And, you know, the unloved Mike Ashley is still leading the Magpies. But uh, if he is still wanting to sell, and that's what we all imagine here, um, 
he needs to keep this team in the premiership. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's probably the 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 priority here. That's definitely the priority here. Um, and then if they do get that Saudi-led takeover, hey, maybe they'll be the next Manchester City or or Chelsea uh, to come into the division. Uh, all right, Sheffield United, such a great story last year. Fell off a little bit towards the end, finishing ninth in the table, a dream year. But, Jeff, I'll, I'll offer some points of pause. On goal difference, they were even last season, 39-4 and 39 against. Their leading scorers had six goals apiece, Oliver McBurney and Liz Mousset. So... Can we expect uh, another dream season from Sheffield United? No, they'll stay up. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be uh, by any stretch of the imagination a dream season. They they won't have Dean Henderson. Um, you know they, they they have an adequate replacement I think in him, but they won't have him. Uh, they just there's no, they don't have enough going on up front for me. You know, and and I think that. Chris Wilder is such a good manager that they'll they'll be comfortable. They won't get sucked into a relegation battle or anything. But I I don't see it I don't see it being as dreamy a season as the last season was. And 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 Danny, I really do think I'll throw one caveat there. More than any other club in the Premiership, if they could get fans back in the stands. I think it would make a big difference with Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. And I think more than any other club, they are hurt by that, not just financially, but also emotionally. And uh, But they'll be okay. They'll, they'll be fine. He's a good enough manager and they've got enough pieces, but they just, they're just, there's not enough happening up front for me to be, to, to think that they're going to, you know, flirt with the Europa League spot or anything this year. Southampton, a quiet summer for them so far, but after a 2-2-8 start last year, they went 13-5-8, Jeff. After December 1st, they were the fifth best team in the Premier League in the table. It all started and it stopped with Danny Ings. He led them with 22 goals last year. Uh, I just, you know, Southampton's, they're, they're, they're part of the furniture in the Premier League. They always find a way. It doesn't matter who leaves. There's always another player coming in to step up and keep them safe. You know, the remarkable thing about Danny Ings, too, is look at who he scored his goals against. I, he, you know, he didn't, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't pick apart the lower-level teams. He scored, if I'm not mistaken, he scored more goals against the top five teams or top six teams than any other player in, in a mid-table in a mid-table club, I think they're. I think they're really good. Uh, you know, could they, could they do kind of a Sheffield this year? Could they be the team that maybe takes a run at at sixth, seventh, eighth? I don't know. I I wouldn't put that past them. I really wouldn't. I love James Ward-Prowse. They're obviously a well-managed team. Um, I I got a good feeling about them. I really do. I can see them being. As we look at the table, I can see them being the team that maybe at the end of the season has taken the biggest jump and surprises us the most of any team in the Premiership. Yeah, they were really strong uh, after they figured themselves out last season. And I've always got a bit of a soft spot for for Southampton, uh, even going back to the Pochettino days. Uh, All right, uh, your favorite, Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, I'll start with this. Have you watched All or Nothing with with Jose Mourinho? Yes. Honestly, yes. he's winning me over, man. Like seeing seeing the behind the scenes conversations. I've never liked Mourinho more in my life than I have uh, over the first three episodes of that All or Nothing series. 
Well, and, and keep in mind, this is his second season, and we know what happens in his second season. He yeah. wins something. Then it all falls apart in the third season. <laughs> uh, my... Uh, I don't expect them to be anything more than they were last year. I don't think they'll be worse. I don't think they'll be better. You know, the Harry Kane, I, I have real concern at some point whether or not Harry Kane is just going to look around and say, I got, I'm letting my career go by here. I'm not winning anything. I'm not winning anything internationally. I'm not winning anything domestically. Um, he's, as much as, as as Jose's second year tends to be really good, I think this is probably the worst team he's had in the second year of any of his, you know, any of his major stints, Dan. I, I just think they are what they are. They, they are exactly what they were last year. Uh, no better, no worse. Mourinho will be entertaining. The show is great. But in, in terms of the on-field product, I, I I just think they're they're stagnant. I think they're absolutely stagnant. I I think the the two signings they made Doherty and uh, Hoiberg and also Joe Hart on a free, all very sensible moves. Very very sensible moves. Uh, I do like Giovanni Lo Celso. I think he has a bigger season uh, in his second year at Tottenham. But they do rely too much on Kane and Son to be their game breakers. And doesn't Joe Hart strike? I just Joe Hart and Jose Mourinho. That is like that. That's just that. Danny, that's a train. That's a train wreck waiting to happen. That he's he's exactly the type of player that Mourinho will find will put his confidence in. Will have some sort of major crisis with Larice. In comes Joe Hart to save the day. It's all going to be screwed up. It's all going to be screwed up. Uh, and I like Brent who came in on Twitter at SN Jeff Blair and at Dan Riccio underscore. I'm a Tottenham fan. There's my rant. I'm in for another year of hurt, but I'll watch every minute of it. <laughs> well, it'll be entertaining. It will be entertaining. Yeah. And I'm telling you for any football fan, please watch all or nothing on, uh, on oh, prime video. It is so, so good to see, uh, Jose Mourinho in action. Uh, Does West Harry Kane not strike you by the way is maybe the most boring athlete. <laughs> you have ever seen like i you know when when they did those those nhl you know the road to the winter classic i used to marvel at just how boring so many great <laughs> nhl players were and i watch that speech harry kane supposedly yeah. gave like that wouldn't make me want to that wouldn't make me want to go to the bathroom with any greater zest than it would go out in the pitch like, i mean seriously yeah, he's he's just he's about as lame as they come, you know. Ah, <laughs> add a little add a little jackassery to your to your uh, you know to, to to your being, man. Come on, add a little Jamie Vardy in there. Go in a bender, crash a car, especially Do something like that. On the flip side, you've got Mourinho just like ripping guys in the in the team talk, <laughs> you know, two minutes before the match. Hey, Serge, I'm worried about you and VAR, man. Let like stop it. <laughs> so good, so so good. Uh, all right, we got to keep going. West Brom, we got three teams left. West Brom. Yep. Uh, I got one question. Do they stay up? No. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't. I you know they, they they're gonna be they're gonna be in tough this year for West Brom for sure. Uh, West Ham United. Um, David Moyes got this team playing as dull a style as there is in the Premier League, Jeff. Uh, but it worked. They got better as the season went on. They were 12 points in nine matches after the restart. That's a 50-point pace. That would put them comfortably in mid-table should they be able to replicate that. They are going down, Danny. 
Oh, that's man. my that's my call. West Ham for the drop. West Ham for the drop. I mean, they're you know, they're selling off academy products. They're not bringing yeah. anybody in. I look. I, I'm not a. I'm not one of those guys who hates David Moyes. David Moyes is what he is. He's not the greatest manager in the world. I think there's a lot to like about about. I think there's a lot to like about how he runs a club. Maybe more than his than his uh, decisions during during the matches. But I just I think they're abject. And they've got a bunch of they've got a bunch of non-performers. They've got a bunch of players who just don't seem to be interested in, in what's going on. I I think they could be in for a really bad year. I think they could be in for a really bad year. I think Moyes, the, the, two, the, the two managers I really worry about, well, worry about, I don't lose sleep over them, but I think are on the hot seat are Moyes and Roy Hodgson. I might even throw Ole in there as well if they get off the slow start. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think West Ham's in for a long year. Yeah, it's uh... – <laughs> Mikel Antonio finally, like he he got a little bit of a revival at the end of the year, but they're really going to need him to to be a star again if they're going to stay up uh, in the prem this year. It's going to be a fight as it always is uh, with the Hammers. Uh, all right, final team Wolves. Another great year, finishing seventh or tied for sixth with Spurs on fifty nine points. Huge coup for teenage striker Fabio Silva uh, from Porto. Um, uh, they're just one of the better you know run clubs in in the top five european leagues jeff i i can't say enough good things about wolves i expect them to be competing for european places once again yeah i i'm with you completely i don't expect any drop off you know for a club their size it is remarkable how they seem to be able to have cover at just about every position maybe with the exception of 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 jimenez who they've they've hung on to by the way Mm -hmm. but yeah to me you look at wolves and I think of Bully, I think of Vinagre, I think of, I, I just think of uh, Dan Donker. They just have cover everywhere, and they it it, it, it seems as if yeah, they don't bring guys in who are going to change the game, but they never seem to bring in a player who's overmatched, right? They always seem to bring somebody in who is at least capable of holding the fort. And I, I don't I don't expect any deterioration at all there. I can see them. Uh, I can I can see them with a little bit of luck, maybe moving up a place. But I'm with you. I think I think they're one of the best run clubs in 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 the world right now, and I don't see that changing. By expected goal differential, they were fifth in the table last season. So that hints that they could be even better than we saw a year ago. I really like this team. I, I love uh, Ruben Neves in, in midfields. Um, the sale of Matt Doherty was a bit of a baffling one to me, especially at that price. Uh, but this is uh, as good a team as there is in the mid-table, and they'll be fighting for those places once again. All right, quickly um, – Top four prediction, Jeff. Who do you got? Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Man, I really want to put Manchester United there. <laughs> I'm going to – I I think not the back out. I think Manchester United and Arsenal are going to be fighting for it. Uh, flip a coin. But I think, there's, I think there's a huge gap between the top two and everybody else. And I think Chelsea's comfortably ahead of Arsenal and Manchester United. Uh, that that's kind of where I am with it. I don't I don't see Tottenham. I don't see anybody necessarily coming up and surprising. Uh, you know, we're to to the point where they're challenging. Maybe Wolves. Maybe Wolves could squeeze in there somehow. But uh, that's the way I see it. 
Manchester United or Manchester City for me at the top as well. Liverpool second. Uh, I'm going with Manchester United third and Tottenham fourth. I'm buying the Mourinho wow. Kool Aid. I uh, I think it's going to be wow. A... You've got both Arsenal and Chelsea out of there. Wow. <laughs> I uh, it, there's going to be no love in London uh, this this oh. Premier League season. Um, Arsenal, I like a lot. I still think they're they're a little bit off the pace. Tottenham, Mourinho's going to find a way to grind it out and, and get this team there, uh, as he always seems to do in his in his second season with a club. But the the big one is Chelsea, and and that's my bold prediction for the year. They it's it's going to be a beautiful disaster. There's a ton of talent there, but a lot of turnover in a weird off season like this one, with a manager that I still have question marks about his tactical ability in comparison to his peers at the top of the division um i think there's there's a lot still to prove for chelsea and the signings as good as they are they can be cratered by poor goalkeeping and a poor defense that just gives up too many grade a chances and a goalkeeper that doesn't make enough stops in keppa and i know they're bringing in mendy but um i'm just not sold on chelsea even uh, with all the great moves that they have made. But it's not going to be for this year. Uh, all right. Uh, that is it on our Premier League preview. We'll have more of your questions coming up in injury time. And coming up next, we have Liam Toomey. More on Chelsea's big offseason and how it's shaping up for the upcoming year. It's Dan Rachel and Jeff Blair, a kick in the grass. Back in on a kick in the grass, it is Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair. They have won the offseason, but still wonders of if they can push toward the top of the table and still question marks around Frank Lampard. It's the Chelsea Blues, and joining us to talk about their big offseason is Liam Toomey of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Liam underscore Toomey. Thanks for this, Liam. How are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for making time. It's uh, it's it's been a quieter off season than most. I think we expected that, but uh, Chelsea certainly hasn't been quiet at all. Uh, what uh, what's this been like seeing um, seeing Chelsea um, push towards the top of the table once again? Well, it's never quiet at Chelsea, but this transfer window has been something else entirely. Um, I've only really been covering the club full time since. 2015, um, covering the club as a journalist since 2012, but I haven't seen anything quite like this. And Chelsea haven't been this aggressive in the transfer market, I think, since Roman Abramovich first came into the club and and launched those first waves of spending to to really build them into title contenders. Um, it's it, it's a it's a confluence of something that the club had planned for a long time but also the unique set of circumstances that football is dealing with um, and that the world is dealing with with, with this pandemic. Uh, it, the matter is that a lot of Chelsea's rivals don't feel that they can spend big in this transfer window and that has opened the door for Chelsea with the security that they that they feel with Roman Abramovich's backing um, to go and be really aggressive in this transfer market and, and go and get virtually all of their number one targets it's very rare in the transfer market that you get almost all of your first choices but um that seems to be what has happened so far yeah it's been it's been a fascinating uh, i'm just going to call it a closed season but it's been a it's been a fascinating transfer market hasn't it because 
you know, Liverpool has, has essentially decided that, you know, whatever money they have, they have to spend on their own club. I mean, Manchester United's made some nice, made, made some nice moves, one nice move in particular, but they seem to have been kind of stuck in the Jaden Sancho holding pattern. And I mean, Man City was involved with Lionel Messi to a certain degree. And I would argue they haven't addressed their most significant issues. It, it really does seem as if, uh, you know, credit Roman Abramovich and, and Frank Lampard with just sensing an opportunity here and, and just stepping in. I mean, they went after, you know, they did some of their business early. I think they got a lot. I, I could be wrong, Liam. You could correct me. But I think even with Havertz, they, they were in on him early. It took a while to get it across the line, but they were in him early. They just seemed to have been very aggressive. Yeah, I mean, they've been planning for this transfer window for quite a long time. Um, you know, they were telling agents in conversations last summer when they had the transfer ban that the summer of 2020 was always going to be a big one for them strategically to upgrade this squad. But as we've said, the, the the fact of the matter is that I think the stars have kind of aligned for them to not just um, spend what they were intending to spend with the money that they've saved up with the sales of Eden Hazard, Avar Morata and others, um, but also to to get a higher calibre of player than they might have otherwise been able to because they just don't have the rivals. I mean, three months ago, Timo Werner to Liverpool was virtually done and dusted. Uh, yeah. He he really wanted to go there. Liverpool had it in their minds that he was he was going to be a priority target for them. And then suddenly everything changed. They decided they couldn't stretch to that price. And Chelsea, who'd been looking at Werner for a long time, and um, were talking to his his people for a long time, recognised that that suddenly they were the only serious suitors um at the table and and once they realized that they moved very aggressively to get him Hakim Ziyech was a slightly different one because it was a deal that they did before the pandemic but he was another player that they'd scouted for about three years um Frank Lampard watched him quite a bit not least taking Chelsea apart at Stamford Bridge in the in the Champions League group stage and that I think helped convince him that that Ziyech was um what his team needed as well and uh very aggressively to get that deal done at the start of February as soon as they realised that Ajax wouldn't consider selling in January they wanted to get it done as soon as possible ahead of the summer um, and then with Kai Havertz in any normal transfer window he would have his pick of clubs as as arguably the most coveted young player in Europe along with Jaden Sancho um, and with two years left on his Leverkusen deal this was always going to be the summer for him to 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 push his way out of, of Leverkusen and onto a bigger stage. And by all accounts, the, the information we've been getting from Germany is that his preference initially was Real Madrid, as is a lot of top young players. Um, but Madrid decided fairly quickly that they couldn't spend either, um, in, part, in part because of the money that they've committed on Eden Hazard, ironically for Chelsea. Um, so that that opened the door for Chelsea again to to get to the front of what otherwise would have been a very long queue for a player regarded as a as a generational talent on the European stage and they they were really persuasive Frank Lampard as he was with Werner and Ziyech got on the phone to to Havertz and was um really passionate in pitching this 3-year plan to to rebuild Chelsea into domestic and European contenders again and it got to the stage where Havertz wasn't just looking at 
Chelsea as a choice. He was looking at Chelsea as the choice, the club he wanted to join. Now, these these are very exciting moves, Liam, but um, the season can easily get cratered by poor defending and poor goalkeeping, uh, both which are... Uh, still maybe being addressed. Uh, we see the interest in Mendy maybe uh, resulting in a transfer for a new goalkeeper to compete with Kepa. But uh, as as much as there's a lot of excitement uh, with all the attacking signings and Ben Chilwell as well, there's, there's still a lot of questions that could really uh, crater the season for Chelsea at defense and, and in goal. Yeah, there are. and um, And I think this is why this is an absolutely huge season for for Frank Lampard, and he knows it. You know, he, he I think he's very well aware that the the pressure of the the real Chelsea job will will come for him and come from him quite quickly this season. For all the attacking talent they've amassed, and and you would think that, you know, there will be fewer excuses for losing one nil at home to teams like West Ham this season because of the amount of um, firepower that he has he now has at his disposal. Chelsea cannot go through another Premier League season conceding 54 goals. Um, that was the, the worst of any team in the top half. And, and at times they looked absolutely shambolic, um, not just in terms of Kepa's performance level, but clearly his own personal conf- confidence uh, was shot by the end of the season. And, and he felt that Lampard had lost trust in him. And I think a, a few of his teammates had lost trust in him. Um but the collective organisation of the team defensively was not there, and and particularly when other teams were counter-attacking them. And I think a lot depends now on can Thiago Silva make a significant impact on the Premier League at age, well, he'll be 36 in September. I mean, it's pretty unprecedented for a defender to come into the Premier League at such a late stage and be a positive impact. If anyone can do it, he he can because he's been an elite defender for a long time, but a lot rests on him, I think, to to organise this defence. And the other thing is, can N'Golo Kante stay fit? Um, because Chelsea can't really afford another season with him missing almost as many games as he plays. Uh, and those two key things, along with sorting the goalkeeper issue, we understand that Edouard Mendy will be coming in to compete with Kepa. Um, those are the those are the main moves they're making to address the defensive half of the team, but it needs to work because if it doesn't, then Lampard won't be able to escape the criticism. Liam, how will how will his season, Frank Lampard's season, be measured this year? By domestic success or by international success? I mean, obviously a combination of both would be preferred, I would imagine, but where do you think the emphasis should be and where will it be? Well, I think it depends on who's measuring, but... Um, I think that there's a recognition within Chelsea that winning the league this season would be a tall order. For all the spending that Chelsea have have made, Liverpool and Manchester City have been operating at such an unprecedented level of excellence in the Premier League for the last three years. They've raised the bar to win the title from 85, 90 points to 95, 100 points. And Chelsea got 63 points last year. So it, it would be a huge, huge jump required to, to make them potential title winners. But Lampard will be expected to show progress towards that goal. He'll be expected to cut that points gap fairly significantly. In addition to 
um, competing for silverware in the cups and having another good run in the in the Champions League. I think in general, Chelsea want to be looking up rather than over their shoulders in the top four race. They don't want to be worried about whether they're going to finish fourth in the final weeks of the season. And they want to be getting closer to winning silverware again because that that's important to try and maintain the the winning culture that they've established and and successfully maintained so far in in the Abramovich era they have to keep getting to finals and into these into these conversations which of the signings uh, do you expect to make the biggest impact immediately Timo Werner Kai Havertz Ziyech Chilwell Oh, that's a tricky one. Well, um, well, Chilwell's injured, so I'm going to rule him right. out. I think he'll miss the first couple of weeks. Um, Ziyech tweaked his knee in the first preseason game, but Lampard didn't seem too worried about it. And I think potentially, I think Ziyech has the scope to make the biggest immediate impact because he's a little bit older than than Havertz and Werner. He's he'll be 27 in September, and I just think he he's so squarely adds what this team has been missing in terms of a player who will make who who has the mindset to try and the ability to to pull off um difficult passes in the final third and and to create something out of nothing i think he he is the one that most squarely addresses that that most glaring flaw in in chelsea's team the other one would be, I think, Werner, because goals do translate. He was an elite scorer in Germany. Um, he looked very sharp in, in the, the one preseason game that we've seen him in. And uh, and I think in particular, he, he will really relish the kind of service that Ziyech and, and some of the other players that Chelsea have now will be able to provide for him. So it's a choice between those two. I, I'm inclined to say Ziyech personally, because I think he's the one that I'm most excited to watch in the Premier League. What, is, what do these arrivals mean for, you know, the holdovers, holdovers like Mason Mound, um, Pulisic, thing, players of that, players of that, that caliber? What, is, what do these arrivals mean for their playing time? Well, I think they mean a challenge. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to the younger players in this squad, the, the academy boys that established themselves last season um, and the likes of Pulisic, who who really you know hit the ground running, I think either side of the shutdown last year, and, and established that he is on a potential superstar trajectory um, in this team. It's just the challenge that that they have to keep improving. You know, I think Chelsea have sent a message to all of their existing players that last season was a unique set of circumstances, and they don't want to allow a sustained drop in standards across the club. The standard and the aspiration at Chelsea um, from Abramovich on down, the expectation is always to compete for the very biggest trophies. And in order to do that, you need to have some of the very very best players. And and so I think um, Chelsea have an awful lot of competition now, particularly in midfield and attack, uh, and they can play many different combinations. the one thing I'm confident about is that Lampard won't play favourites. He didn't do it last season when when the young players were playing well, he played them. And then after the resumption, when the young players when a lot of the young players dipped in form, he was playing the more experienced guys. So I think everyone will start the season on a relatively even foot. Um I think his early team selections will probably be conditioned more by fitness than anything else. 
And then it will be up to all of these guys, uh, Mount Hudson-Odoi, Tammy Abraham, Reese James, you know, to, to prove that they're, that they're ready um, to play regular minutes against what are some of the, the best, the most high-profile players in Europe. Liam Toomey, our guest. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Liam underscore Toomey. And uh, before we let you go, Liam, uh, you just spoke with uh, one of our Canadian treasures, Jesse Fleming, uh, fresh off making the move to, to Chelsea Football Club. Um, what are your impressions of, of the young Canadian making the jump to, to professional football? Yeah, she was a really good interview. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, she seems to be settling in nicely into into England, despite the fact that I think um, it must be really strange to to move during a pandemic. Um, she, I think, uh, she was saying it was very surreal to arrive, and you, you know, it's hard. You can't really say hi to people very much because of social distancing and everything. But she's been made to very welcome in Emma Hayes squad. Um, she was getting lifts to training from Sam Kerr. And uh, I think she's made friends quite quickly and, and she's in particular relishing the daily standard of training because Emma Hayes has built an unbelievable squad at Chelsea and it's only gotten stronger this summer, not just with Jesse Fleming, but of course, Peniel Harder, Melanie Leopolds. These are elite European players um, and some of the very best players in the world in their positions and um, from what she was saying to me, she is someone who is absolutely driven by the desire to put herself around people that are more experienced and better than her so that she can get to their level and, and improve. And I think um, everything about her attitude suggests that she will be very successful at Chelsea. She may need to be patient in terms of waiting for a chance in the team, but I think um, she's got everything she needs to become a key player for them in the long term. Liam, I uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Enjoy the season. Pleasure, guys. Thanks. Yeah, really excited to see uh, Jesse Fleming at Chelsea, and you'll be able to watch the FA Women's Super League on Sportsnet this year, a two-year deal announced last week with us. So every weekend, catch Jesse Fleming and others uh, like uh, Zadorsky and Adriana Leon uh, with West Ham. A lot of Canadian content in the FA Women's Super League these days. Our final segment, your questions, injury time on A Kick in the Grass is next on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Final segment on A Kick in the Grass. We're getting ready for the Premier League season to start up. Also La Liga starting up this weekend as well. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair. Injury time is for your questions. Send them over on DM at Dan Riccio underscore or at SN Jeff Blair on Twitter. I also ask for them on Instagram at Dan Riccio in the lead up to every Monday show. All right, Jeff, first one comes in from Mike G on Instagram and also Andrew on Twitter, both wanting to know who our surprise team in the EPL will be this year. The surprise team? Well, I've already said I think it's going to be Southampton. Um, I, 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 I don't know the fine surprise i think the top two are pretty clear cut um we've already you know we've talked about where we think the other teams will, will finish i i think southampton is, is really poised to be the team that especially early in the year really excites us and really gets us going so that would be my pick i i guess tottenham in the in the top four is a i'm probably the only person on the planet picking that right now but uh i'll, I'll just say leads uh for a comfortable mid-table finish um 
it's great to see them back in the Premier League. I think Rodrigo is going to be great, and Marcelo Bielsa is going to be uh, one of the most loved managers to watch, at least uh, for the high frantic pace that Leeds will play at. Uh, Jared, how will James Rodriguez fare at Everton? And Dez also saying, uh, do you think Everton will make any progress, or do they stay the best, worst team in the Prem? <laughs> you know, I love Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, you know what? I just realized we forgot about Everton in the preview. So uh, this is good that we have this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Carlo Ancelotti. I, I, yeah, I hate saying the same phrase, but I, I just I, I think they are they are what they are. I don't think they're going to be any better than they were last year. Uh, James Rodriguez is you know, he's, he's, a, he's a very good player. Uh, he hasn't played much, I don't think, you know, and, and, and I think he's a classic example of a guy who made a really very early in his career, made a, made a wrong career decision. And, and, um, you know, and it, and it's, it, it's kind of set his career back. Is he, I don't know, is he, is he up to the rigors of the premiership? That would be my, that would be my, my question. Um, I don't think he is. And I I look at, you know, Jordan Pickford. Do I really want to hang my hat on on Jordan Pickford? I don't know, Dan. I I think they're just kind of, they're just stuck where they are. Yeah. Uh, Some of the moves are all right. Allen and uh, DeCure, great moves. Uh, James Rodriguez as well. But um, I'm I'm just out on Ancelotti, man. And I I always have been. I've always hated him since his days at Juventus when he sold Thierry Henry. Uh, to Arsenal um, because he just didn't know where to play Thierry Henry, if you can imagine that. Um, but he has a in his last couple of stops, Bayern he wasn't great, and at Napoli was was terrible, abjectly terrible. And he has a way of neutering his attacking players. So mm. I don't know what uh, James Rodriguez is really going to do when uh, Carlo Ancelotti has um, really stunted a lot of his attacking players. Uh, in the last couple of stops he has had. Uh, We've got uh, Mark with our final question here. Uh, Suarez to Juve? And (laughs) (laughs) I I guess it's happening. He's he's trying to figure out how he can get an Italian passport so he won't have to take up a foreign place uh, for Juventus. But, um, I mean, it's it's a Band-Aid. Juventus is going to go through a Barcelona-esque type of rebuild in the next coming years once Ronaldo leaves, but um, they're, they're trying to push for the Champions League, so I, I, I guess in that sense, for one year, it might make sense. Yeah, one thing I like about Suarez is he's showing he can play with transformative players. He's showing he doesn't have to be the big you know, the big dog at the club. Um, I, I, look, I think Juve, I, I, th- I think Juve wins wins area going away so I, I i don't know if it's i don't necessarily know if it's going to be a difference maker for them but i would love i, I would love to be a fly in the wall when he and Kilini he and Kilini have that first face-to-face meeting uh i'll leave you uh all with a it's uh, that one should be fun yes uh, who's who's biting who uh i'll exactly. leave you with i'll leave you with a trivia question uh to end the show luis suarez is set to become the 14th player to have played with messi and Ronaldo, if you can guess all 14, you'll get nothing but maybe a shout-out on the show next week. DM me the answer on Twitter, at DanRicho underscore, at DanRicho on Instagram, and at Blair. Are you surprised that it's that high of a number? Uh, not not really, because they both uh, – because Cristiano's played in a couple of different 
you know, yeah. a couple of different leagues. Not really. No, I, does that, I don't mean to sound cocky, but it doesn't really <laughs> surprise me that much. 14 players uh, answer it and uh, you'll, you'll get nothing but maybe a shout out on the show. Join our fantasy Premier League as well. Enjoy the matches this weekend. We'll be back on Monday to recap it all. Jeff, as always, appreciate it. This has been a kick in the grass.